They're calling it the new socialism. More and more Democratic lawmakers want everyone to get a basic income, even if they don't work. Free health care, free college, and more. Now, every night this week, Rob Schmidt is on Newsmax pushing back on the new socialism and its leaders like AOC and Bernie Sanders. Joe Biden's spending programs are already costing you trillions as inflation is soaring. If you care about your money, you need to watch Rob Schmidt tonight. Find out why socialism doesn't really work and how it actually can cost you a lot. Get Newsmax TV on all major cable systems. If your operator doesn't carry it, call them and demand Newsmax or you can switch. Also, find Newsmax for free on most streaming systems like Roku, Samsung, LG, Pluto, Zumo, and more. Or download the free Newsmax app on your phone and watch it anywhere. More than 30 million Americans are tuning into Newsmax because it's news they can trust. One. The following is a live copyrighted presentation. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time now for Radiolawtalk.com. With your host, Frederick Penny, attorney at law. And now, radiolawtalk.com. Welcome to Hour 2 of Radio Law Talk. Uh, we, we do know we're having a few little minor technical difficulties. The, the little sound bumps have a little bit of scratching. That's, that's kind of like we're doing that on purpose. Just be, it, it's the Christmas. It's, it's, the the Christmas. Sleigh, it's the sleigh bell. It's the sleigh bell effect. Yeah, sleigh bells in the well, you know we we appreciate you listening to us, but we're we're, we're working on getting a lit, we're worked out. Cal, you know the button in the front that says on and off. You just turn that one to off. That'll solve the problem. I'll yeah, tell that's you. exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> Call us at eight five five Law Radio eight five 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 two nine seven two three four again eight five 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 two nine seven two three four. If you want to comment on some of our cases we're talking about, or comment on the case or no case that's coming up. Um, this is the most exciting, entertaining, and, and only sometimes informative show on earth. Remember, we're, we're talking about general topics of law. Don't, yeah, don't, you know, seek counsel. Don't listen to us unless, which is the time, this is the time of year, you're around the dinner table with the family and, and you get a they-sayer. What's a they-sayer? A they-sayer is, well, you know they say, and then what you say is, well, Radio Law Talk, Todd Cunin, Denise Dirks, and Fred Penny say as follows. That's the time you can use us, right, Denise? That's yes, the... we're persuasive authority. Yeah, when it comes to the dinner table. And that's about it. But don't take us to court of law. We're going to talk about the uh, Vanessa Bryant case. But not any other room in the house. Yes. No, I think the bedroom is the good place to talk about us. Well, that's just not where we're persuasive authority. That's no, I, I was no, thinking the same place, thing. It's, it's, not where, it's not where Cal works. <laughs> hey, unless you have a copy of the bathroom reader. No. <laughs> well, Radio Law Talk, dear, let me tell you how this works. According to Todd, Denise, and Fred... <laughs> yeah, not doing it. For oh, me, you honey. just you've just ruined my life. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean? Well, I'm thinking about Todd, Denise, and Fred, and not you. There you go, right? 
Elizabeth Holmes, speaking of which, we're talking about Elizabeth Holmes' trial. We're going to talk about the Maxwell trial, the Weinstein. There's some very interesting stuff about Weinstein. Todd's cracking up here. We're going to talk about Steve uh, Scott Peterson. And then the thing we're going to do that everybody cares about. Nobody cares about all that. They only care about case or no case, Cal, don't they? Is that all they care about? Now it's time oh, yeah. to play. With case the scratchy, no with case. the scratchy uh, sleigh yeah, bells. It's not that bad. You can live with that. Okay. Because yeah, right. there's no way I'm going to get it figured out before the end of the show. No, I, I know, but we're having fun with it. Yeah. Well, okay. Carrie had modest career ambitions. She wanted to become a hairdresser, that's all. As she lived in Oregon, the school she wished to attend was in Washington State. But here's the problem. She was homeschooled. And the cosmetology school in Washington said, we can't even consider you as a student unless you show us proof that you graduated or a GED certificate. She said, no, I have been graduated. The school said, prove it. So Carrie went to an attorney who specializes in this kind of stuff and said, I'm being discriminated against by a school accredited by a federal agency. So do I have a case or no case? Todd and I, oh, no, wait, no, it's Fred. Fred gets to give us his shot on this one first. Mr. Penny? This is easy, super easy. This is not a case. This is a scenario has absolutely completely made up by by uh, Mr. Hunter while he was on the toilet reading this, no, uh, reading something. That's exactly has nothing to do with any case. It's absolutely a false uh, little statement that you're making. Uh, you were probably sitting there getting your hair done and thought, you know, I know a good thing <laughs> we're going to do. We can say when someone wants to get their hair, gets their license. No, it's not a case. has nothing to do with the law, and uh, you just made it up. So no reality there. Mr. Kunin, what say you to this whole thing. Well, I, I'm listening to Fred's justification here. He started out with, it's something you thought while you were on the toilet, and, and then he <laughs> said you were getting your hair done, and now I can't get the <laughs> image thinking. of you getting your hair done while sitting on a toilet out of my head. Happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> little off the top there, sir? Yes, please. Uh, okay, so... <laughs> Tell you what, tell you what, I, I'm going to say, and, and now we've lost Cal. <laughs> I'm going to say that this is a case because I seem to recall something out there in the, uh, there being an issue about having to give credit to homeschools and this was litigated. And so I say that this turned into a case, this was a case, and that the student who wanted to go to cosmetology school, because I, I realized that cosmetology school has a, such a rigorous academic uh, standard and, and program for getting into those schools, uh, I, I'll say that this is a case. Well, you have to, once you get in, you have to learn anatomy and uh, anyway. Yes, but the, the head is here. Yeah. <laughs> we don't cut hair anywhere. <laughs> so, yes, I, I will say that it's a case and the student trying to get into cosmetology school wins. All right, fair enough. Uh, Denise, what do you think about this? Other than strategically, I can see you plotting the strategy of this, but what do you think about the veracity of I don't the think you need a G um, GED to get into cosmetology cosmetology school and i also believe that if you go to cosmetology school it has to be the state in which you are going to practice because it's a licensing and not an accreditation and you made it up wow you guys are just all over me today aren't you okay well here's the here's the true fact the true fact is this this is something that actually happened but but the matter was resolved by the attorney that correcting the Washington school because there is a reciprocity agreement between Washington and Oregon no case and so he said there is 
No case. So yeah. he never filed it. He just called up, placed a call. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Or wrote a letter. Yeah, I wrote a letter. Denise, said, hey, yeah. you and I nailed it again. Sure did. We're so smart, Denise. I don't know what happens. Well, next hour, we're going to go into Todd's area of expertise. We're going to step onto the movie set and talk about the production process. And that's next time you know on the, Case or No Case. What? You know, the irony is they both won... And they were both wrong in their analysis. <laughs> Fred wrong. said you made it up, and you didn't. And didn't. Denise said it's it's a, an accrediting issue at state, state, but it really was an issue. Just a lawsuit never got filed. But we said the correct thing. It's not a case. That's what we say. And we could have said. We don't no. have to say what happens if it's not a case. Right. We have to say what happens if it's a case. Right. We're just we're just filibustering is all we're doing. Okay. All right. All right, Buster. All right. All right. So, Mr. Buster, filibuster, and that is your case. Or no yes. case for this Thanks, hour. We thank you for listening to it. Thanks, Cal. Sure. So, Vanessa Bryant, everybody knows what happened with Vanessa Bryant's uh, husband, Kobe, and her daughter. And and and, and just so you know, <clears throat> you know, I have to be very careful because I'm in the middle of a helicopter uh, accident case that I'm dealing with. Um, but, you know, uh, it's a sad situation what happened here um, in the Calabasas Mountains is where the helicopter crashed. I know exactly where that is. I fly into Van Nuys, California, quite often, which is just around the por- a corner from uh, Calabasas Canyons. Calabasas is a beautiful town, by the way. It's got some beautiful homes. It's a really nice place. But the case settled, and it's undisclosed. And uh, she dropped her lawsuits uh, officially. Everything's done, and, uh, and 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 that's why it should normally be done, right? The most of the time, cases do settle out of court. What was interesting about it is that they actually settled, I believe in June, but it wasn't going to be settled until there were certain conditions met. So we know that this was a conditional kind of a judgment. Um, And once all those conditions were met, then she dropped the case, um, and it's going to be a private settlement. I don't see ever that this is going to make publicity because that's just not what she's about. Yeah, I think they probably – but did they sign a non-disclosure agreement? I don't know, and that's – sometimes they have you sign a non-disclosure. But uh, who knows? We'll be back after this. We're going to talk about uh, Elizabeth Holmes and that trial. This is Radio Law Talk, and we thank you for listening to us. We'll be back in a bit here. Stay tuned for more Radio Law Talk. It's coming right up after we break away. I've got to get my car washed. This dirt, it just won't do. But I don't have no time today. I don't know what I do. And I know this place right down the road. Quick, quack, car inside let's take a ride and watch this cat and shine just come and see i guarantee your ride will steal the show come on quick quack car wash don't drive that dirty car quick quack car wash they'll have you looking sharp learn how thousands of smart homeowners are investing about a dollar to avoid expensive home repair bills john a former non-customer said My air conditioner broke, and I had to spend $1,900 to fix it. Jeff, a customer, wrote, My air conditioner broke, and I got a new one at no out-of-pocket cost. 
Mary, a former non-customer, wrote, My heating system stopped running. I had to spend $3,000 to get a new one. Lisa, a customer, wrote, My heater stopped working. I got it fixed at no out-of-pocket cost. For about $1 a day, you can have all the major appliances and systems in your home guaranteed fixed or replaced with HSC's home warranty coverage. Call now, and the first month is free. If the lines are busy, please call back. Call now, 800-238-9182. Again, that's 800-238-9182. If your loved one has passed away due to COVID-19, pay close attention to this message. You could be entitled to a death benefit of over $300,000. The U.S. government has set up a fund to pay families relief if they've lost a loved one due to COVID-19. We know this is a hard time for you, and this fund has been set up by the federal government to help ease your pain. The compensation includes a death benefit and lost wages benefit. Time is limited, so we urge you to make a free phone call right now. There's no cost to you for this claim. All legal fees are only covered once you receive your money. So if you've lost a loved one due to COVID-19, call the legal helpline right now to find out if you qualify for a cash award. Here's our number. 800-918-7092-800-918-7092-800-918-7092. That's 800-918-7092. Paid for by the IPG Law Group. Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy, some uncle I never knew, called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him, like, a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS. And they're able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy. And I'm happy too. Thanks, Tax Doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Okay, man, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. Cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. you got to dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments, because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Show the world that you're tougher than tough. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org slash caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. This is a great time to call the show. 855-LAW-RADIO. That's 855-LAW-RADIO. Radio Law Talk. If you pay my fee, I'll take your case. Now, now it's time for more Radio Law Talk. So I don't know, you know, we've, we're, we've got a lot to talk about. We've got the Elizabeth Holmes trial, the Maxwell trial, Weinstein. What, which one do you want to talk about, Elizabeth Holmes or Maxwell? Because they're both very interesting guys. You know, I don't – I'll, I'll defer to Denise. What do you want to talk about, Denise? 
You don't care? <laughs> well, I'm doing my job here. I'm writing down our topics. Uh, okay. I was I'm going to talk about Holmes. That's what right. I want to talk about. Yeah. So Holmes has been on the stand for, geez, days, and this trial has gone on quite some time, and it's wrapping up. Um, I think it's going to wrap up next week. And, again, we brought up this is the Theranos case about the issue of fraud, whether or not she defrauded the investors and was lying about the you know what what this machine of hers could do with the blood don't forget this was a machine that supposedly could take a drop of blood and tell all kinds of things so we don't it comes down to you don't have to go in there with a big needle and and, and draw blood it, it starts out the history of this is she never liked to do that and it kind of freaked her out and she tried to figure a way to to remedy it which by the way is okay because that's what entrepreneurship is, is I want to make something better. I want to make the widget better. And I'm even going to go out on a limb and do something that's just crazy that a lot of people said can't be done, right? We always bring up the thing, who would have thought a microchip the size of your thumb has got the power and the, and the ability and the storage that in the 1960s took up massive rooms, right? Yeah, when I was a when I was a kid, just a, a more simple example. When I was a kid, and I remember my friend had one of these things that was awesome. It could multiply and divide and add and subtract. I think it was called a calculator. Right. And uh, and I remember wanting to use those. And I remember my teachers saying, "Well, you're not going to have a calculator with you everywhere you go. So you'd better you need to learn how to do math." And and now I literally have a calculator with me everywhere I go. It's on my phone. And Texas right. Instruments heard that and developed a watch in which there was a calculator as well, shrinking electronics even, yeah. even further. Yeah, but I remember. Do you remember? Again, we're going to go back nostalgia here, but remember, I never forget my computer in in college, not in law school, in my undergrad. Wow, you had a big. I had thirty megabyte hard drive. Ooh, no thirty megabyte hard drive. Fred Penny, the envy of all his friends. Wow, I, I didn't have computers in my undergrad. Yeah, I didn't have computers until my last year in law school. Wow. So we were using Coreraceable typewriting paper, oh, and I had brutal. a one-page destructible memory in my in my typewriter. Yeah. That's you remember those yeah, days? Yeah, IBM's <laughs> a dedicated word processor. It was those IBM <laughs> Selectrix, right? That's what they were. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. It was, but it had one page, and I couldn't take the bar with that typewriter because it had a one-page memory. Oh, <laughs> and, and it was tough because back then with Denise, the law was still changing. The Constitution hadn't been passed yet, and so well, we Cal, were like, oh, good. Cal, oh, so. oh, Cal, yeah, that's right. There that's wasn't right. a law. There was just the Ten Commandments. <laughs> okay, got it, got it. <laughs> On a tablet. <laughs> so Elizabeth Holmes. So we're prefacing this about Elizabeth Holmes because. You can see where we're going. We're not. We are not on her side. We're just because the evidence is coming out. But um, but it's just sometimes you wonder if these these failures and her quote exaggerations of what she believed that her you know uh, little machine could do is going to stifle or or you know throw cold ice on entrepreneurs uh, out there trying to do new things, right? You, you know, yeah, I think that's true. And one of the things about this, when I've kind of listened a little bit to her testimony, is it is so typical of witnesses not to be able to distinguish about time. What did I know at that time? What do I know now? Do you know what I'm saying? That mm -hmm. happens in almost every case that you come against that well at that time i didn't know yeah 
Yeah. But you know what, though? It comes down to, and again, we're not, but there is some stuff that they're bringing up evidence of emails that where she kind of basically knew that, okay, this is not, this is not uh, doing, a, doing very well, but she's, and she's exaggerating it, but or is it exaggeration or is it just puffery uh, and trying to build the positive of her business and her machine? Was she being hopeful, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. well, I, I think of it, we're on the trail to do this. I can put it out there like that, maybe. Possibly. Yeah, optimistic. Yeah, it's going to get there. Look, I, I, uh, I've never seen a full episode, but I've seen little snippets here of that show Shark Tank. You ever seen yes. that? You ever yes. Heard of that? And, and look, everybody, everybody that comes in and asks for money of the of the sharks. Almost always, the sharks say, well, "What do you plan to do with the money that I give you?" And or if I enter this deal with you, and sometimes it's for marketing, but oftentimes it's for further research and development to, so you can further develop the product because we're in whatever stage we are now moving forward. And what I really haven't heard so far reported in the uh, Holmes trial is, all right, you got $9 billion, you got all this. Well, what was it during your pitch to have people invest what was it you were proposing to use the money for because that's a lot of money that these folks are giving up venture capitalists they want to know what do you use the money for and if it came out that yeah we plan to use the money for further research and development what should every investor know when you say that that so you're saying the product's incomplete that it's that it's not complete if they say oh we're good to go we're just using this to market it that's different but again, it gets back to a point that Fred has raised. We've talked about this is venture capital, not guaranteed return on your investment capitalization. Mm-hmm. Venture capital. And, uh, and what yeah. if it hit, Todd? What would happen? We wouldn't have heard anything about this. Absolutely and they would be nothing. billionaires off of it, right? This is a quote, and this is what she's, she's doing, which is smart. And I know what her, her, her lawyers have told her, and what she probably believes herself is, look, I, there's, not, there's nothing illegal about failure. Right. And she testified, quote, when I testified we could do it, I fully believed we could do it. And then she quote, she says there was still work to be done now. And, and, and so what their defense is saying is, look, jurors, she's just a simply young, hardworking entrepreneur that had a company that failed. That's not criminally. Uh, that's not a criminal problem. I mean, if the government wants to go after somebody, go after Solyndra that took billions from the government to make this solar stuff that never panned out, okay? Go after them. They didn't do anything. Don't go after Elizabeth Holmes, but that's my soapbox. All right. And you're standing on it. That's right. (laughs) Well, you know, it is something to consider. Okay, we're going to be out. We're going out in 30 seconds, but uh, join us back here at Radio Law Talk when we're going to get a little deeper into the Maxwell case. That is very, very interesting. This is Radio Law Talk, and the show will continue right after we take this break for the bottom of the hour news. Commercials and other announcements aired on Radio Law Talk contain the opinions of the sponsor. The airing of said announcements on Radio Law Talk does not constitute an endorsement. The announcements may contain claims that are not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure any disease. Keep listening for an exciting offer from U.S. Men. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain and inconvenience of pricking your fingers over and over again by wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor or CGM. You can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers right away. 
If you're testing your blood sugar four or more times per day, injecting insulin three or more times per day, or using an insulin pump, call today and learn about the latest CGM technology. 800-251-7560. 800-251-7560. We'll tell you all you need to know about CGMs. A CGM can immediately reduce pain. It's accurate, easy to use, and helps you make better diabetes treatment decisions. And with insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now to learn more. 800-251-7560. 800-251-7560. Plus, get free shipping and we'll bill your insurance company for you. CGMs are the newest in diabetic technology. They can help you stay in range and manage your diabetes better. Call now to receive your new continuous glucose monitor at little or no out-of-pocket cost. And delivery is free. Remember, if you're testing your blood sugar four or more times per day, injecting insulin three or more times per day, or using an insulin pump, call today and learn about the latest CGM technology. Call 800-251-7560. Co-pays and deductibles may apply. 800-251-7560. That's 800-251-7560. Sponsored by U.S. Medical Supply. I like that show. Are you serious? Now it's time for more Radio Law Talk. So Jeffrey Epstein, those of you know, uh, was the guy that died, sl- died slash, and there's conspiracy theorists think that he was may have been killed in um, jail. His right-hand person was uh, Miss Maxwell. And Miss Maxwell was, uh, according to the testimony, is in trial now, and there's been a lot of testimony that basically she was his uh, right-hand person and, and what many believed his girlfriend for years, and she would do a lot for him, and according to testimony, and she was the madam, quote, madam of the house in Florida and, and other houses, and, and you know, would, would instruct staff and people what, you know, how to, how you treat Mr. Epstein, it's almost like Mr. Epstein was the king, you know, it's like a, it's like, or the queen, you know, that's the way he, uh, you know, like the queen of England type, okay, now this is how you, okay, you don't look him in the eye, you don't do this, at least that's the way the testimony has come out in in portraying her, right? And um, so what's happening here is they've, they've, they've found a number of, number of items uh, when they did uh, a search of, of a number of the houses, of his houses and including some, um, uh, what do you call it? The vaults, not a vault. What was it? It was a safe, some safes. And they found these black binders that have pictures, explicit pictures in these binders. And they haven't determined what they're going to show yet. Right, Denise? Because the argument is basically these pictures do not depict any, well, there may be one or two, but generally, most of them do not depict any of the individuals making the allegations in this case. Therefore, defense argues there's no need for any of this to show up, um, which I believe is a valid point. Um, I do, too. And, and so, but nobody knows what these pictures, but apparently there's just a substantial amount of pictures of 
explicit pictures in there with Miss Maxwell in some of them, I believe. Uh, but the argument is what comes in and what doesn't. And that's usually a big fight that occurs during these trials. Um, it's an evidentiary issue, right? What comes in, what doesn't. Um, but these, and I saw a picture of it. I actually looked it up on the internet. And they're not like little thin binders. They're thick, big binders. And they're like probably they're docketed. Yeah, they have like like indexes, and and they're and they're the pictures are on um, CDs, and you know they're they're written on, and they've yeah. got names on them and dates, and oh my gosh, if there ever was a case, and and mind you, some of those pictures have. FBI tape still on them right. that looks like it had been admitted in a different case. In the, in the How would trial. you get back those? You tell me that. That's yeah. incredible that that is um, well, what happened. Denise Ellis from that first trial, remember that he got basically got off to did some did some probation right back in 2005 or 2006 i think yes and, and it was yeah. um that's when he was declared to be a sexual offender right and he had to register and all of that but they didn't they didn't say that i nobody's tied these pictures to the exact case yet yes and it's very strange i mean i i found that to be one of the most interesting things well, about this let's say some other interesting things so they came in to the house the, they raided the house, basically. The FBI. The FBI. And they, and they couldn't get in the safes. And they went back to get a court order. They subpoenaed, right? Well, what do you call them? Not the, 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 the warrant. warrant. The warrant yeah. for the... And as they came back four days later, and it was gone. There was nothing in the safe, right, when they opened the safes. But then later, the lawyers for uh, Miss uh, uh, Maxwell... Epstein. Oh, no, who did? Epstein. Epstein, that's mm -hmm. right. Whatever the lawyers brought... Brought those things Two back. suitcases full of stuff yes, back. Yes, Epstein did. Epstein's lawyer. Do you think they washed them? <laughs> well, you know, here, here, here's one of the issues for the lawyers. Um, when I was a prosecutor, I used to prosecute the, uh, let's just call it what it is, I used to prosecute the child porn cases mm -hmm. where, you know, you get these traffickers and I'd have to prosecute them. And, and thankfully... <laughs> I never had to look at a single image right. the entire time. I always relied on what the investigator said it was and trusted that, okay, as long as I'm not having to present it as evidence at a prelim, preliminary hearing, a trial, right. I'm not going to look at it. Right. I'm just going to rely on the description. But there were serious safeguards when you would have discovery. Discovery in a case is like... As a prosecutor, I have to turn my evidence over to the defense so that they can prepare right. their defense. But when it came to those images, those are released with a protective order, and they sign out, the attorneys sign out for it, and at the conclusion of the case, they have to return everything. They can't make any digital copies, and if they do, right. they get into a lot of trouble. So I understand Who's why... Who's they? Attorneys. Yes, okay. That's, that, so I understand, because I was getting there, Denise, why these attorneys yeah. might have put these in a suitcase to take them back, because if those documents were released to any attorney... And they showed that those documents left their possession or control while it was entrusted to them for a case. They don't want to pay the piper because this stuff left their control. So I see why they would want to maintain control. I will deliver this to the government if I have to deliver it to them. But I don't want to get in trouble because this stuff was out there on my watch as a lawyer. But the real why question did they is, take it in the first place? That was the part that made me a little crazy. And how do they know the stuff they got back is a complete file? Everything that was in that closet well, they or don't. whatever is now they back don't. to them. They, they don't. don't. They don't. But yeah. um, one of the things that I don't know the answer to, because I don't do crime, 
Law. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Todd, I'm asking you this. At the end of a case, when it's gone through the appeals and all that stuff, after the court says we're going to release the evidence to somebody, who do they release it to? Well, it depends. Usually there's a property release that any prosecutor will sign that, that directs the evidence locker, the whether it's held at... Uh, the sheriff's station or the police department, whoever's got that evidence, they'll issue a property release saying, please dispose of this evidence pursuant to law. And there are code sections. So it's like if there are images, for example, yeah, those don't get turned back to the party. That was Those are destroyed. Sometimes firearms are destroyed. Sometimes, you know, drugs, if they have those, those are destroyed. But they're all disposed of pursuant to the specific uh, code of regulations that applies to certain types of evidence to be dispersed, and the property folks know how that's supposed to be dispersed. Okay, got it. So, okay, it's 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 different for us because um, the party that introduces the evidence gets that back at the end of the trial. Well, that that's that's a little bit different. I'm I'm talking about seized evidence, evidence that is seized by law enforcement. As part of a case pursuant to a warrant, Fred, you said they got a warrant for something. If something oh. is seized and it's sitting in the evidence locker, that's one thing. If there's evidence at trial, like pictures that are that are not child related or anything, just pictures of an accident scene that my investigator, if I took pictures of it and I introduced that to evidence, well, at the end, the court would give that back to me. Got it. Those images, but certainly nothing. So protected. once they're seized, are they considered public records? No. No, they are in the in the possession of law enforcement. That's it. Okay. All right. Well, that's mm-hmm. fair. So this case is still going on. Once some interesting things, obviously, uh, Miss Maxwell has not testified. I don't think she's going to testify. Um, to your, have you heard that she's going to testify? I heard. I, I don't I, know. I don't think she's going to. But as a defense attorney, I'm thinking, what could she say no, that would right. help the case? Nothing. Nothing. No. And so, and uh, what could she say that would hurt her? A, a lot. lot. Yeah. So <laughs> the main thing is that's interesting is is through her attorney, she has basically um, acknowledged and said that she has never had any relationship with anyone without their consent, let alone a minor, not even a minor. And she had never seen Epstein have any relationships. I'm going to use the word relationships with a minor. That's through her through her defense, through her attorney, but not published to the jury. I'd be surprised if any court let those statements be published to the jury without her taking the stand. Right. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know what the deal is, but it, it comes down to uh, this thing's going to go on and on, and it's going to last a little while. So uh, we're going to. We're going to talk more about that when the time goes. Anything else about Maxwell that you guys noticed that was interesting uh, on that case? I thought that was just uh, very interesting to, to follow this. Cal, uh, I, I thought the foot rub photographs were certainly relevant that yes. they put in there and all of that kind of stuff that showed she and Epstein together in what could be considered potentially compromising situations. I, was, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I didn't really understand the relevance of that so much. They're just kind of trying to show what she... The, the, the prosecutor's argument is that she was the madam and took care of him and was the one that, that, that facilitated everything. And I guess those pictures shows what, you know, she was close to him. The question is, how close was she to him? You've got Epstein's conduct clearly bad on one side. You have Maxwell on the other side. All of these are links in the chain to connect her to him. Got it. Right. Then they can get their case. And that's why. Yeah, because their argument, okay. uh, uh, Maxwell's arguments, look, I... 
I'm not the scapegoat for him, for Epstein. And that's what you're trying to do is make me the scapegoat for him. We'll be back. Stay tuned. We've got more Radio Law Talk coming right up right here. Stay tuned for more Radio Law Talk. It's coming right up after we break away. for legal services on Radio Law Talk is strictly for the state or states in which the advertiser is licensed. For more information, go to radiolawtalk.com. Jason Ross back here with Fred Penny, managing attorney from Penny & Associates Injury Lawyers. Now, Fred, what type of cases are you dealing with now, and what sets you apart? Jason, we help people with all types of personal injury cases. We're former insurance company trial lawyers. We understand the other side, which gives us a distinct advantage over our competition. Remember, we don't get paid unless we win. That's Penny & Associates Injury Lawyers with locations throughout California. For a free consultation, go to pennylawyers.com or give them a call 1-800-616-4LAW. That's P-E-N-N-E-Y lawyers.com. Not all law firms have extensive experience in all areas of the law. It's wise to look for firms that have knowledge and understanding in your particular area of concern. So go to ProLawFirms.com. They have listings of attorneys in key areas of practice, such as family law, estate planning, personal injury, bankruptcy, and so forth. When you're looking for a lawyer that has extensive experience in your particular area of need, go to ProLawFirms.com. That's ProLawFirms.com. ProLawFirms.com is not a law firm and does not endorse or recommend any specific law firm. This is Denise Dirks. We can represent clients in divorce, legal separation, child and spousal support, custody, termination of parental rights, step-parent adoptions, guardianships, and even conservatorship matters. Call 1-877-886-7186 for a consultation. The law offices of Denise L. Dirks provide family law services in Northern California. When the law affects your family, call 877-886-7186. The family of attorneys at Denise L. Dirks is here to help. I've got to get my car washed. This dirt, it just won't do. But I don't have no time today. I don't know what I do. And I know this place right down the road. Quick, quick, car wash. Hop inside, let's take a ride and watch this cat and shine. Just come and see, I guarantee your ride will steal the show. Come on, quick, quick, car wash. Don't drive that dirty car. You love your dog. Is something bothering him or her and you can't figure out what it is? Maybe they seem slow or lethargic. And maybe they just don't have energy. Wouldn't you like your dog to be living their very best life? PetJoy offers a money-back guarantee on all of its products. If your dog won't eat it or you don't see the results you want, just let us know and we'll make it right. Totally risk-free. What do you have to lose? You can't buy PetJoy multivitamins in a store. The only way you can get them is through this unique radio offer. And if you call right now, learn how to get two bottles free with your order. Turn your dog's life around and make him or her a happy camper. Ain't that right, boy? He said call PetJoy right now. 800-711-9218-800-711-9218-800-711-9218. That's 800-711-9218. Hi, this is Annette Benning. I'd like to tell you about a nonprofit human services organization that has been helping everyone in performing arts and entertainment for more than 130 years, the Actors Fund. The fund serves everyone in film, 
theater, television, music, opera, radio, and dance, with programs to support a life in the arts. The fund offers emergency financial assistance in times of need, including help for those in crisis due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Services include health care and insurance counseling, housing, secondary employment, and training services and more, all to help foster stability and resiliency for the people who lift us up and brighten our days through their work, especially in times of crisis and anxiety. To learn more, please visit actorsfund.org. You're a whiner. Are Are you you serious? Now, Radio Law Talk continues. Here's your host, Fred Penny. We're going to continue on and talk a little bit about the... uh, um, We were going to talk a little about Scott Peterson, but don't forget, coming down the pike is really interesting, is about court packing and the commission that Biden appointed and what they they said. That's going to be some really interesting topics we're going to discuss later on down the line, but... Those of you who don't remember who Scott Peterson is, it was an actually bizarre situation. Um, and then we're going to get into – oh, really quick. Denise, why don't you just really quick talk about uh, Rose McGowan's dismissal? Or, or was that you, Todd, that no, wanted that to talk about that? No, that was me. Yeah, why don't you talk yeah, about that? Yeah, really that was quick. me. Then, um, let's get in, then let's get into the Peterson. You know, we always tell our listeners to seek local counsel. And we do that because it is super important that you know your rights, you know the law, and that's going to help you in any legal matter that you have. In Rose McGowan's case, it appears that she, at some point, her and her attorneys parted ways, and there were deadlines in her case that had to be met. And when she became self-represented, she did not meet those deadlines. And the judge in that case against Weinstein um, for sexual um, rape, I believe it was, uh, it was actually not a criminal matter. It was a civil matter. But the judge dismissed her case because she didn't meet a very important deadline. Yeah, that's exactly right. And then what's interesting is it sounds like there was some disagreements with her and her attorney, but she just dismissed her lawyer. Well, I don't know if, if, if the lawyer left, but you've got to be really careful in doing that. You know, that you should dismiss a lawyer if they're not, if they're not doing their job. But if you're jumping around from lawyer to lawyer, you're going to find the, in our case, the insurance company's lawyers are going, hmm, what's wrong? Is there something wrong with that client jumping all over the place? And like you said, if you don't have an attorney, though, uh, what happens is very similar to this, right, Denise, is, is look, you, you, you don't know all the little nuances and all the little dates and times and things that have to occur. And, Absolutely. And, and you held to it as a litigant, you were held to the same standard as if you are an attorney when you are self-representing. And that's the reality of, of what the law is. And almost, I think it's in most states, the same. But don't you guys, let, let's talk behind the scenes now. This is what's great about listening to the radio law talk. But don't you think when they're improper by themselves without a lawyer, the judges lean get a little more lenient on them than, than if you're an attorney. Certainly in family law. But yeah. When I was a DA, I did a couple of trials with uh, people that chose to represent themselves, and they get the lecture from the court when they're letting their attorney or public defender go that, hey, this is a this is an attorney who knows the law. He's been to law school. He's been doing this for a number of years, and you don't. You're going to be held to the same standard as that lawyer. I understand, judge. I understand. And then they go forward, and yeah. The, the 
judge is helping him out every step of the way, and rightly so, because as a prosecutor, I never objected to that. And it goes back to what we always talk about, Fred, preserving the integrity of the conviction. What good is it going to do me as the prosecutor to get a conviction if I'm you know, doing end-arounds against somebody that doesn't really understand the law? Look, if the judge is protecting everything, DAs don't win cases, evidence wins cases. I just present the evidence, let the jury, jury do their job. And, uh, and I got no problem with that. So um, – but that happens all the time. Yeah, it does happen all the time. And um, unfortunately, in this case, I, I, I wish it would have gone to trial and all of that. But I don't think what, one of the biggest risks when letting your attorney go is that the strategy that was developed from the beginning of the case also goes. And that sometimes can be um, fatal. That's true. But one, one thing to keep in mind, though, is this case wasn't about whether or not Rose McGowan was sexually assaulted by Harvey Weinstein. That's that they that had that allegation was made, and they reached a settlement about that back uh, a long time ago. This case was about McGowan wanting to publish her memoirs, and then and then Weinstein hired a bunch of attorneys to come in and try to essentially shut it down. And so she sued Weinstein for racketeering and, uh, and and what have you. And so that's the lawsuit that got tossed was her suing Weinstein for his efforts to try to keep her from publishing the memoir. Was that uh, because there was an end, um, non-disclosure yeah. agreement so, yes. in the settlement, the previous settlement? Yes. Right. So okay. now, they're all, now they're all back to square one. And I guess the question is, can she publish the memoir now or – because nothing got resolved, is she still under the purview of the NDA? I think I what's know. interesting, these NDAs are signed, which I don't like NDAs, by the way. But but you know what? I, I Okay, you signed it. Now you want to go ahead and, and have your cake and eat it too? You know, that's the problem. You know, They wouldn't have wrote written a check to you for that amount if you didn't sign the NDA. A lot of times when there's an NDA is because they're writing you a bigger check than they should be writing. Yeah, that's true. But I'm going to argue the other side. If yeah, it's sure. an NDA that should be void as against public policy because it's making somebody not disclose criminal acts, for example, right. then perhaps um, that is not enforceable. That's what the other side's true. argument is. True, that could be true. Yeah, a lot of NDAs, believe it or not, are not enforceable, believe it or not. So um, that's why you got to be very careful because they can't be forever too, right? A lot of the states say you can sign an NDA, but it's not forever. So anyway, speaking of uh, – interesting people let's talk about scott peterson this is in california i remember when this was going on yeah this case i remember watching it lacey peterson was his wife that was pregnant with his child and just disappeared and they didn't they find her uh, outside the ocean in the bay her, somewhere, her, her yeah, body body, body yeah. of her and the child washed ashore they found yeah, it in the bay crazy it's just sick sickening that that you know just what what happened? So anyway, go ahead, Todd. He was found guilty, right? That's right. He was found guilty at trial, and the uh, prosecutors were seeking the death penalty. And it's interesting when it comes to death penalty case. Unlike any other case where the jury decides guilt or innocent, and the judge imposes sentence, in a death penalty case, they have the guilty or innocent phase, the guilt phase, and then they have the penalty phase where the jury is the one that makes the determination whether or not to impose the death penalty. And that makes screening those jurors during the pre-trial process of voir dire, jury selection, it makes it very important to make sure you understand as lawyers what the jurors' views of the death penalty are. 
Well, Scott Peterson got the death penalty, but then ultimately on appeal, the uh, Supreme Court California found that the judge at trial didn't do a good job of screening out and allowing for questions based upon jurors' statements and beliefs of the death penalty, and because of that found that the penalty of death should be overturned. And so he was recently resentenced to life without parole in prison, not the death penalty, and that happened this past week. Yeah, it's very strange because it feels like the cart went before the horse in this case because now they have challenged the underlying evidence um, that of his conviction, and that matter is going to be heard, I believe, next week. So it feels like they dealt with penalty first on appeal, and now they're dealing with the evidence on appeal. It's very strange. It's very interesting how people, uh, again, this is... I'm just talking out loud, right? Why is it? Okay, I'm going to fight the death penalty again. They don't want to die. But I'd rather spend the rest of my life in prison until I'm 80 or 85, right? What a what a way to, to, to live. I don't know. Well, from his perspective, and, and I'm, I'm just outside looking in, Peterson has maintained his innocence the entire time. Right. And, and, and like you said, Denise, there is the... Uh, hearings that are coming up challenging the underlying evidence and possibly trying to get a new trial based upon recently discovered evidence or mistakes that were made, whatever. That's coming up in a little bit. So I understand somebody who is on death row saying, look, I want to challenge the death penalty because although there's a moratorium on it right now in California, that's probably good for only as long as the current governor is there. And if a new governor comes in and decides to lift it, I want to have time to continue fighting whether or not I'm really guilty because I think I'm innocent before I have to go, you know, walk the green mile there. So um, has there even been a death? Uh, have they, uh, Cal, you usually know, yeah. this. has there been someone that's been put to death uh, in California in the past 50 years? I think it's been three years. Yeah, they had a, gang, a guy named Tookie, a, a gangster in uh, Southern California who went in and shotgun slayed a Korean couple that ran a hotel. But then he went and wrote a children's book, so they thought that should get him off of the death penalty. He did not. Well, that's so, three years ago. Governor Newsom yeah. goes. Must have been before Governor not, Newsom. Not in Newsom's time, no. Okay. No. All right. We'll be back after this. We're going to talk about a California mom being charged with uh, her kid hitting uh, another kid in sports. And we've got another kid hitting another kid in sports and the parents being liable. And the Michigan case, the parents, uh, they're, they're going after them for the kid shooting people and kids in high school ah, this is crazy we'll be back after this lots of interesting stuff coming up next right here on radio law talk we hope so stay tuned that's next hour at six minutes after we will resume the broadcast and we thank you for listening to us however you're doing it and we'll be right back been listening to radiolawtalk.com a copyrighted presentation of radio law talk incorporated prescribe me viagra 
It wasn't covered by my insurance, so it was costing me like $65 a pill. That's expensive. Over 20 million guys like us use Viagra. Over a certain age, we just need it. I found a way to pay less than $3 a pill and get virtually the same effect of the $65 pill. I heard an ad just like this on the radio called, and for $99, I got 40 generic versions of the $65 pill. Save yourself money and call right now and get over 40 pills for $99. There's no embarrassment here to use Viagra. If we're over 50, we need it, but not at high prices. Call now with your credit card and get the 40 pill special for just $99. 800-993-1358. 800-993-1358. That's 800-993-1358. 